yes people it's episode 238 of Chris Braindoff's me Griff obviously how are you doing are you well I'm talking in a subdued way because um I've got a special guest on the pod sleeping just beneath the microphone so we'll see how loud I can be <laughs> but um see if we get interrupted as well see if she features on the pod but um how you all doing you good it's been a interesting week um well I've, I've actually made notes this week for once semi-prepared um completely different vibe from the last pod right i i think pods are meant to be consistent um in you know, the content the vibe but um you know you don't know about my pod if this is the first time listening or second time listening if you think all podcasts are going to be recorded on the m1 not all of them you know some pods are recorded on the M1, some recorded in my car, some recorded in my office, some in the kitchen, some in the living room with Matches Day 2 on pause with my baby on my chest. I realise I've moved the phone away from my mouth there. That's not going to be conducive to a good pod, right? Um, so what's been going on in my week? Um, this week, what have I done? I, um, gigged, gigged on Friday. Um, that was okay because most significant thing happened this week is obviously this little one here. She was in hospital, nothing too serious. She has eczema on the face, basically, she had baby acne, which I didn't know was a thing. Um, but yeah, she had baby acne. Um, and then that cleared up. Here she is. Wait a minute. <laughs> What is she doing? Bear with me. I think she knows I'm talking about her. And we're back. Um, so, actually, what I was talking about is what I was interrupting the pod. So, she had baby acne in the week. Then, um, then that started to dry out. The skin started to become really flaky. We just thought, ah, the acne going. Then, um, it seemed like she had eczema. But then, uh, I start one of the eyes started swelling a bit, so they thought it might be cellulitis. So took it to the hospital. They said, nah, nah, it's just eczema, so sent us back. And then the next day her eye was really swollen. And we was like, wait, we've got to take it back in again to A and E. Um and then they're like, nah, nah, it's just eczema, but we suspect it could be some form of infection, so we'll get her on the antibiotics. Now we were told she'll go on the antibiotics. Um, while they wait for a dermatologist to turn up, which might be 24 hours. So basically, it was antibiotics was precautionary. We'll see a dermatologist in 24 hours. They'll tell us it's just eczema, potentially, and then they'll take off the antibiotics. We were like, okay, cool. It's only 24 hours. We get on the antibiotics. Then they tell us, yeah, so the blood's ain't going to cut. This is Friday. This is Thursday night, by the way. Then they tell us... Uh, Friday morning, yeah, so the bloods aren't coming back till Monday, so she'll have to be on the antibiotics till Monday. And we're like, no. Like, you don't be giving kids bloody antibiotics. They need to build up their own immune system. Um, and as every doctor who came in was like, was just not talking about her skin, they're just talking about this virus, this infection, sorry, that she could potentially have, that they all didn't think she had. 
So it was all very frustrating. So we were just like, we'll just, how about we stop giving antibiotics and we discharge her on Saturday morning and we'll just let you know how it goes. And if you just tell us how the blood tests come back on Monday. And that's what we did. So fingers crossed, nothing comes up on these blood tests. Otherwise, uh, we'll feel silly taking her away. <laughs> but um, obviously, if anything comes up, we'll take her right back. But she seems all right in herself, but she keeps on bloody rubbing her face on, on me and drying her bloody face out. So uh, that's annoying. But yeah, that's what the week's been, really. Just this little one. Took her outside to shopping center and um this kid doesn't like being anywhere other than home absolute hermit you can only take her out places if she's asleep the moment she wakes up she realizes she's not at home all hell breaks loose i'm just waiting for her to be able to use words then i can tell her to be quiet <laughs> that's the reason i want to start talking so she can understand me telling her shush but, well, no, it's all good. Um, what has been going on this week, then? Not in my life. Uh, what have we got here? Uh, oh, I had to register her birth as well and the middle name. That was fun. It's hilarious. So, basically, Naomi and I disagreed on what a middle name should be. I won't tell you what a middle name is on the pod, but um, I keep some data protection. But, um, yeah, we disagreed on what our name should be. We had one name that she liked, one name that I liked, and a middle name that we kind of compromised on that we were okay with. Now, here's the thing. The name that I liked, everybody we told liked my one. They're like, oh, that's that's really nice. And the meaning behind it is great. And Naomi is literally the only person who doesn't like this child's middle name. Um, and then I said to her, I said, hey, has it ever occurred to you, considering that everyone you've told about the name likes it, and you don't, that you may be wrong? <laughs> and Naomi's response, true to form, was, no, that hasn't crossed my mind. Um, so then when it came to Thursday, registering her birth, I was like, right, what name are we going to pick? We can't pick your name because I don't like it. Um, we could pick my name because everyone likes it, or we could pick the other name that we kind of both like, but you know, it's not the name that either of us really want. And she went, Do you know what? Give her whatever name you want, and if you give her the name you like, she'll just grow up knowing that her mum hates her middle name. <laughs> so. I picked the name I wanted. And um, and I was feeling really happy about that. Um, until I came home with the birth certificates. And then Naomi goes, so considering that you got your way on this one, um, you know you owe me, right? And I was like, what? She says, yeah, you, you definitely owe me. So the next big decision we make that we disagree on you just have to agree with me now. And I was like, I didn't know this was part of the terms and conditions of this middle name. Like, I mean, I wouldn't have changed my actions, but I may have thought about it a bit more if I knew there was these T's and C's attached to getting my own way 
on this one. But um, but, but yeah, so she tricked me. Conniving. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but what what I guess the big news in the world is Afghanistan, isn't it? The madness in Afghanistan. Um, I'm just you know like like all these things. I like to read up about the past of. Of these things, I knew about it. I didn't know the names or, or the timelines. Um, I guess you know that region's always been um, invaded by different empires, but no one can seem to hold on to it. And then, um, and then learning that Afghanistan was actually quite a, you know, liberal place um, before you know any kind of Western or Soviet power were interested in their, you know, vast uh, opium fields. Um, and then obviously the Soviets tried to, yeah, the Soviet-Afghan war, that the Americans backed the Afghans. The Mujahideen watched Rambo. I never watched Rambo, but I know that Rambo, I think one of the Rambos, they're good, and then Rambo, the Afghans are bad, but yeah, so the Mujahideen, they backed them to beat the Soviets, because, you know, if the Soviets or Chinese are interested, then the Americans have to back the other team, um, so they did that, and then after funding the Mujahideen and giving them weapons, the Mujahideen went, alright, well, piss off, similar to what happened in Syria with uh, ISIS, again, the US government didn't like who Syria had in place in government, so they funded the insurgency, create a bit of civil war, and then get mad when the guys you fund went, oh, yeah, we, we don't want to talk to you anymore. This was always our beef. Um, thanks for giving us money and weapons, but we never really asked them, so piss off. So yeah, so the Mujahideen turned to the Taliban, and then it all kind of um, kicked off after 9-11, right? When, um, you know, when 9-11 happened and the USA wanted bin Laden. And uh, even though bin Laden isn't Taliban, he's, uh, he was Al-Qaeda. Um, he was hiding in Afghanistan and the Taliban went, well, well, the US went, you need to release him. And the Taliban will you just give us evidence, what evidence you have that he was actually connected. To what happened. I'm pretty sure if memory serves correctly. I think he actually took credit for it. But you know whatever. Um, and then. Here's the thing I find interesting actually. Is you know. That. Obviously he wasn't directly involved. Because if he was directly involved. In flying the plane into a building. You'd be dead. But it kind of shows you. How these organizations are legitimized by the actions taken in retaliation, right? Like for example, if something happened at Amazon, Amazon ended up flying a plane into a building, everyone would want Jeff Bezos to answer to that, right? So it shows because it's a legitimate organization. So it shows that they look at these terrorist organizations, you know, I say terrorist organizations as legitimate organizations. So on one hand, they make out that they're crazy and mindless and nuts. And then on the other hand, they actually know they're organized, legitimate um, organizations. It's interesting. But um, I guess that's what the Taliban are. The Taliban was watching some video. They're very well funded, very well organized. 
they have different ministers for different government positions um and you know so hence why when the u.s pulled out of uh of afghanistan last week uh the taliban were just ready to go to just install their government kind of reminds me of handmaid's tale just like gilead just bam just all sleeping in the hills waiting for the u.s to leave and their bag turn on activate um as i was saying sorry but this was this current war in afghanistan all started after taliban refused to give up bin laden and the u.s went hey we'll go in i mean they said it's because of that but again they um they needed that opium that sweet sweet opium and um I think Afghanistan discovered oil as well, so they need a bit of that. And 20 years later, probably got enough oil, enough opium, and they can't really legitimise, spend any more money on the war, because I think they spent like almost a billion dollars on this war effort. No, lie, sorry, trillion dollars on this war effort. So if they made more than a trillion dollars in opium and oil, then it was worth it. If they didn't, then it's a it's been a terrible war for them for america so i don't know how much money they've made from afghan opium and and we'll be interested to see if that ever gets released i guess from the cia or fbi in 20 years time um but we'll just be distracted by whoever the social media influencer is there at that time um but yeah but then the u.s decided to leave with no real exit plan and left um, allied workers, Afghan translators, British troops, British civilians, American civilians, just to fend for themselves. Um, I've heard that news crews are being rounded up. Um, it's, it sounds all nuts. But then speaking to ex-military guys, right? It never was like a real secure situation. Um, literally, the US Army protected Kabul and Kandahar, just two cities. Um, the rest of the country, nah. They basically, they couldn't fight them in the mountains. In Afghanistan, it's a very mountainous region. And the mountains, caves, <clears throat> all I've seen multiple videos of military experts say, you can't fight the Taliban in the hills because it's so complicated so sophisticated so uh it requires so much local knowledge that you as an outsider the moment you go up to those hills you're in an instant disadvantage you'll be ambushed and um and i think that's what happened a few times and they just went now nah, we're not doing this again we're just losing men for fun and it's um it's crazy man it's crazy. I mean, I don't know what the right move would have been because I'm not going to be one of those people on social media who's a virologist talk about COVID one day and then I'm a military strategist the next. I don't know what the right course of action was, but seeing scenes of people, you know, hanging off planes and falling out and people have to hand their kids over walls and stuff, it just seems, it seems nuts. I mean... I get humans are involved, but part of me, it's like, if I was to take over a country, right, 
I kind of only want people there who wanted to follow my rules, right? So if I took over a country and people were just trying to escape, I'd be like, hey, guys, chill out. You don't need to escape. Like, you can just leave. I'm not going to try and keep you here. If you don't want to be here, that's totally cool. That would be my view. Um, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not a clingy guy. <laughs> not a desperate leader. I guess that's why I'd be a terrible politician. Comes the campaign trail. It's like, Darren, why should people vote for you? I mean, if, if they can vote for me if they want. I mean, I'm not going to beg for votes. Um, I mean, you've seen my manifesto, so read that. If you like it, vote for me. But if you don't, vote for someone else. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? That would be just terrible. A terrible campaign trail. <clears throat> um, but yeah, man. But it's, it's sad. I mean, it's, it's cool to... <clears throat> it's cool to watch and strategize and pontificate over it, but there are real people dying and stuff, and I guess it does remind me that as much as this country could be a pain in the buttock, to have the ability to, you know, have free speech, have the ability to express an opinion that that goes against who's in power. Um, that's important. I guess that's why so many comedians and social commentators wait a minute <clears throat> moan about their freedom of speech because it's a cornerstone to democracy and society, right? <clears throat> wait a minute again. Wait a minute. Oh. Alright, yeah, we're back, people. Um, she literally pooed herself awake so <laughs> so now she's awake she's awake we're walking around with her which makes the doing the pod much easier that she's uh she's awake we'll just walk around and chat away but um what's about afghanistan i can't remember did i finish talking about afghanistan was i done i feel like i was done i don't think there's much more i can really add about afghanistan except for um Actually, yeah, some of this country free speech and that, right? Yeah, but no, I'm done. I was done. I can't think of anything that's really adding any value, except for um, I guess oh, I guess we talk about refugees. Uh, yeah, I guess there's gonna be some people now who are gonna gonna have that argument, right? Now where we say we care about that country, but we don't want refugees to come here, or you know, people like people still won't be able to link why refugees would want to come to this country and the funny thing though is like the number of refugees this country takes how how do you assess it do you assess it on a country's capacity of you know how much they could take or do you do it on the capacity of how much they do take in comparison to other countries taking refugees or do you do it on um, the number of people people like to compare refugees from other countries to like homeless people here. I know that's one that always makes you laugh, All right? When the blatant, no, not every, not everyone who makes this point is a racist, but when the blatant like racist or xenophobe says, "Oh, we've got so many homeless people here, why don't we help them?" It's like, okay, Gary, um, how much do you donate to like shelter? Because I see you walk past that homeless person every day. 
uh, you've never even offered that guy a coffee, yet you want us to care more about homeless people than refugees, when really you don't care about either, you just don't want the brown people here, um, <laughs> quite simply, but then, um, I mean, they compare the amount of refugees the UK takes compared to other countries, not that many, I think, if I could find the post, I won't be able to find it, it'll take too long, there was a post I posted, uh, maybe last year, year before, that um, I think the UK, the percentage of like world refugees, the UK takes something like 0.2 like percent, not two percent, not point two percent. It's a silly number, like twenty thousand refugees. It's what like England, like the UK have taken like the past five years or something like that. Like they tend to just scutter to whatever country they can get safety in. So usually it's the country next door. Um, so to think that people literally get on planes. Just fly to England, get benefits and get a flat. It just doesn't happen. It really doesn't happen like that. Like for me, if you're having to hide in the back of a a plane, then hide in the back of a lorry. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe separate your kids. Lie about your age. Probably get molested on the way there. Then you arrive at this country, and someone goes, "Oh, you've got it easy." <laughs> Why? Because they got a bloody flat that they have to share with six other people in Croydon. <laughs> You've got it lucky. <laughs> Get out of here. You know what I mean? Um, so no, it's not. It just, I don't know, it, it bugs me. Because um, we've got enough. We've got enough here in this country. We've got enough here to support refugees. Guess what? We've got enough here to support homeless people um, and you can't have it both ways you, you can't be saying uh, help homeless people and stuff instead of refugees but don't want your taxes to go up you know you, you can lobby your government if you wanted to lobby your MPs and tell them to help homeless people if you really care about them way more than refugees but how about you just care about both eh? or be honest and admit you care about neither and just say what you really think he says you don't want more brown people here but um i don't know i said if refugees can make it over here i think uh that's what you should do i was saying to my wife here's what i think should happen when it comes to crises across the world i mean they should be like neutral countries not neutral countries, like neutral land land that's not owned by anyone so that's not switzerland that's not france and that's not Botswana, it's just land that's ran by the UN, yeah, just neutral territory. And when you have a refugee crisis, the, the main priority is just to get the people out of the country that they're facing persecution, yeah. Like, if to use a metaphor, if a house is on fire, you wouldn't expect the fire brigade to turn up to the house and go, Well, we've got nowhere to put these people. Um, but there's no spare rooms anywhere, so we're just going to leave them in that house while it burns down, while we look for um, some suitable accommodation to, to house them in. That would never happen, right? You make sure you get them out of the fire first, 
then you work out right where can we go so i think this should be like get them out to be a neutral um bit of land not antarctica though a bit too cold um and from then from there um countries can then say look we can take twenty thousand or we can take ten we can take five you know that they should do it like that and then go right cool here's a plane um you're all a family you don't need to be separated here you go you can come you can come here granted you're gonna have to live in like walton on denays or clacton or some you know some absolute butthole of a town in in England, but hey, it's not it's not bloody ran by Taliban. I mean, you will get you will get racism. Uh, you probably get a brick through your window. Some will shit on your doorstep. But look, it, it's it's better. <laughs> you gotta get it easy. Um, but yeah, um, that's that. That'd be my global solution to that. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how practical that is. I'm not sure which country's going to give up land. Because there's some countries where you don't need all that land. Like, look at Russia. You look on the map and you see how big Russia is, big China is. You, you, there's got to be big chunks of that where it's just shit. Just, like, fuck all. There's going to be nothing going on there. Like, you don't need all that. I've always found that funny. Like, if I had a country... Instead of having a big house, you have like a really big house, but you've got 20 rooms that you just do nothing with. Like, they don't even look good. <laughs> they don't... It's like, rent them out. Rent them out or do something with them. So when I see some countries on a map, I'm like, you don't need to be that big. There's no need to be that big as a country. You can get rid of about 20%. 30, 40, like look at United Arab Emirates. Outside of Dubai, outside of Dubai and Abu Dhabi, like what is there? A couple of camels, a couple of date trees. <laughs> you don't need all that country. It's not even a big country. Even that is just a big waste of space. But um, shout out to anyone listening from UAE. Big you up. I know you're listening from Dubai or Abu Dhabi, so you know I'm telling the truth. Um, anyway. Um, let's uh, get on to Dear Deirdre because I want to watch Match of the Day too. Um, <laughs> uh, you right? You right, mate? Yeah, good. What do you think about Afghanistan? Yeah, and? Mm-hmm, good point. And what else? Mm, yeah, and? Fair enough, good point. You made very, very valid points there, Zadie. Well done. Um, <laughs> okay, we're going to do some Dear Deirdre. Let's see. Um, right, Dear Deirdre, I had a vasectomy, but my wife is broody again and wants a fourth child. No. Does she know you had a vasectomy? I mean, four children. you got three already. Braid it in. Um, Dear Deirdre, my wife is badgering me to have another baby, even though I had a vasectomy eight years ago. Our third child was born 11 years ago. Allow it. We both agreed afterwards that we would have no more children. I'm, f- I'm 41. My wife is 38. Uh, we've been together for 20 years. Our children are 15, 12 
and 11. He life's good, man. Don't don't mess it up. Um, it's enough of a financial challenge having three children. I don't think we can afford another. Then just look. I don't understand how this baby's coming along here. You've had the vasectomy. You can't afford it. She she's actually gonna put you under stress to have surgery to reverse the vasectomy, to have a kid that you can't afford. Hormones are mad. Um. Oh, you okay? Yeah, good. Um. At the time I was happy to do my bit and have the snip. After all, she had been through three pregnancies and labours, big man team. But now my wife is starting to become broody again. She keeps pestering me to have another baby. To be honest, this is the last one I want. I was happy to have a vasectomy, but really don't want, undergo a re- don't want to undergo a reversal. And besides, I enjoy having more time to myself. I certainly don't miss the crying or nighttime feeds and nappy changes. I really do not want to go back to those days, although I admit I do miss having a baby around. I mean, they are fun. Um, <laughs> my wife often asks if if I would leave her if she got pregnant through IVF, and I of course said no, but in all honesty, I think I would leave. <laughs> Why did you say you wouldn't? Um, that would be so selfish and one-sided. My wife says it isn't fair because I just recently bought a new bike and I've had my eye I've had my eye on. So I've got what I want. So she's comparing children to bikes. Sorry, the chain arms. Alright, love. Ooh. What's wrong? What's wrong? See she's got hiccups at the moment. Apparently babies don't care about having hiccups, which I think is mad. Because I find hiccups one of the most annoying things to have. You right? There we go, guys. I'll come back. I'm coming back. Bear with me. Alright, we're back. Where were we? Where were we? Where were we? Um, my... Uh, very good. That's it. She's comparing the new kid. She's comparing the new kid. To a bike. That was where we were. That was the crazy stage we was at. They are not the same, are they? But if she thinks them as the same, she thinks of it just like a, a toy. How immature. Anyway, um, as it is, our three children are ages where they are transitioning into being teenagers or young adults. I don't know how to handle this problem any longer. I feel as though it's starting to drive a wedge between us. Um, listen, you don't want to... Uh, a mad one isn't it because it's easy for me not in your relationship to just say tell her behave does she really want to i don't think she wants a baby i, I feel like do what is that is it empty nest syndrome you say well it is you know the kid's getting older so she's like i want to feel redundant has you become one of those people who identifies as a mum that that's it, that's their identity. Their identity is now mum. So now kids get older, they're less dependent. She's now lost her sense of identity. She doesn't know who she is anymore. She has no friends, she has no hobbies, no interests, no job, no career. So because of that, she's like, I need a kid. We need another kid now. So how old's the youngest one? How old's the youngest one? The youngest one's 11. Secondary school. He's like... Or she, oh, she, mum, don't kiss me, Ugh, get off. She said, come, come on, don't you help doing that? You love doing this. And he's like, no. You know what I mean? 
I reckon that's what's happening. So you need to um, introduce a hobby. That's what it is. Give, give her a hobby. Give her something else to be interested in. And then uh, she'll be all right. Um, let's see. Next one, divorce dilemma. I've tried to win back my wife, who is gym crazy since she began an affair. Okay, my wife has turned into a gym bunny since she began an affair. She's obsessed with working out. Is it with a PT? Or, I don't know. It'd be so mad if you split up because you said she was fat. <laughs> and now she's left you and got in shape. Like, that's petty as hell. Um, it's like she's having a midlife crisis and is now demanding that we divorce. Okay. Um, I'm 46, my wife is 42, we were childhood sweethearts. I've always been a good dad to our son who has severe learning disability. Has severe learning. He has a lot of needs and my wife has cared for him while I worked. He's 14. I've tried everything to win her back, but it feels as if the pull of her lover is too strong. She stays at his house occasionally while I work and look after our son. Mad. She's had our lover in our house and shows a lack of respect to me and our confused child. It's like an alien's taking her over. Yeah, she's having a breakdown, bro. Like, imagine if you've just been looking after a kid with severe learning difficulties full time. Again, it's kind of related to the previous dilemma, right? Maybe she's just lost identity. She's like, I've sad enough just being Jake's mum. I don't know what the kid's name is. You know what I mean? Like, she's just... You go out to work, you come back, you've got other stuff done on your life 24-7 with this kid. Um, maybe it's that. Maybe it's just a bit of resentment. So now she's just like, I've had 14 years of, of this. I'm going to go wild. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Jesus, I can't read that one. That's, there's no humour in that. <laughs> I'll read the title just to let you know why I'm not going to read this one. It's a sick sibling. I'm devastated after claims that my vile son broke my daughter for years. See, there's... I mean, I'm, I'm a comedian. Um, and I've got skills, but I, I'm not that skilled. So. <laughs> like, there'll be no funny in that. Um, right. Let's see. Let's get the last one. Let's go. Um... Alright, this is fun. This is mad though. You, you guys got to be young, surely. Potty mouth. My boyfriend's so attractive, but he swears so much that I might break up with him. How is he swearing? Is he swearing in between? Let's say tamesis. Where you say like, garlic fucking bread. Like you just insert a swear word in between. Because where you insert swear words changes the meaning of things. Again, I was discussing this in the week. Um, I'm going to have to build a joke from it, but I'll put it on the pod so you can hear it first and see where the joke goes. Basically, it's about racism and how racist you sound depends on the proximity of the swear word to the ethnicity. I'll give an example. Let's use the word, let's use the word black. So if you used to say that, that black bastard, right? Questionable. But it's like you're, it's 80, 80% and above, you're racist. Yeah? You could argue I was just describing which guy I was talking about. But 
is 80% racist. If you put the swear word before the ethnicity, it's 100% racist. Which guy? The, the fucking black guy. Oh, actually, now I've said it. Maybe it's more debatable. But, well, it might be less. See, this is a discussion with guys. I need your feedback. If you put the swear word before the ethnicity, does it make it less, more or less racist? So, the fucking black guy. If you sandwich the ethnicity between swear words, 100% racist. Fucking black bastard. That is nailed on racist. And then if you, so if you put a buffer between it, so the black guy, pause, that fucking bastard, you've, you've now created an, an element of doubt. <laughs> so I think now, now I've said it out loud, I think that this, this, the ethnicity before the swear word makes it more racist. That's what I'm going for. Anyway, my boyfriend has a body of a god, face of an angel, mouth of the sewers. I'm 23, he's 25. We've been together for four months and I'm honestly beginning to think I need to break up with him. Ooh, um, the words that spill out of his mouth are so off-putting. He regularly calls me a slapper, a C-word. Okay, wait a minute, guys. Pause the pod. All oh, right, the kid's back with me. Um, <laughs> um, right, what was he saying? So the words that spill out of his mouth are so off-putting. He regularly calls me a slapper, a C-word, and a whore, and not in a jokey way. I mean, okay, I thought he had a potty mouth. He, he doesn't have a potty mouth. He's abusive. It's like he could swear about flowers. That wouldn't be as big of a deal if he's calling you an idiot all the time. You know what I mean? And last night, he wasn't answering his phone, so I texted him to ask what he was up to. His response was, I'm fucking your mother. Jesus Christ, cover your ears. Zadie, cover your ears. Um, today he has put a photo of my cat on my bed on his Instagram with the captions, the face you pull when your mum fucking your new daddy upstairs. What? You, what he put, he, today he has put a photo of my cat on my bed on his Instagram with the caption, the face you pull when your mum's fucking your new daddy upstairs. Maybe her bed's downstairs, aren't they? Anyway, I've told him his language upsets me, but he calls me childish and carries on. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, he doesn't have a potty mouth. You, you focusing on the wrong stuff. You think if he stops swearing, he'll stop being such an abusive person. Such a volatile character. The guy sounds odd. He does sound a bit funny, to be fair. Um, I mean, he sounds hilarious to me, but he, he's not. Uh, uh, he's not the guy you want to be with. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what I suggest is you piss off.
and you leave him. That's what you do. Because um, when the swearing goes, you'll realise it's not the swearing. There's some people I know swear quite often, uh, but they're very nice people. Um, and there's other people who don't swear at all, and they're arseholes. And that's what he sounds like he would be even if he stopped swearing. Alright, so anyway, that is the end of the pod. Um, we're off. Are you asleep or are you just making noises? No, you just just heavy breathing on the pod. Alright, anyway, that's that's me gone. Um I'm not saying this pod's featuring Zadie, she didn't really contribute much. I asked her opinion on a few things and she just ignored me. Like she doesn't have a grasp of language. Anyway people, that's the end of the pod. Peace.